It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, today, I tell you what, folks, we're going to talk. Uh, you, you decided that the most important issues, but we're going to talk about current issues. We're going to talk about society. We're going to talk about what seems to be happening in America. Uh, and Rich, you've got some good listener comments, don't you? Well, yeah, we both of us do. Yeah. Uh, we thank the Lord for our listeners. Yeah, and, that's uh, for sure. That's right. And well, we do have some good comments we'd be, to share. We'd be in sorry shape if the listeners were not out there. That's for sure. But listen, folks, uh, I am um, watching the 4th of July and the news stories and some of the other things. I was appalled at some now are holding the American flag up as a symbol of racism or a symbol of derision or holding the American flag up as something terrible. Can you imagine that, Rich? I mean, man alive, what what are we coming to? It's one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, absolutely. I mean, the flag represents the country where we, each and every one of us, are citizens. And you got to work it all out, folks. That's where the church comes in. If the church would be more engaged from a biblical standpoint, then the citizens would have the salt and the light that the Bible speaks of. But then that reminded me um, of something I've had in the archives. I was uh, I was uh, at a, going to a meeting years ago, and I got there a little early. It was in a state capital. And I found out there were a group of people, pretty good audience, really, that were going to be sworn in as United States citizens. And they had come from other countries. They didn't want to go back. They wanted to partake in what was in America, what we all enjoy. And I want the folks to listen to the audio of that procedure. Here it is. It's pretty short. I hereby declare on oath. That I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state or sovereignty, of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen. That I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform work of national importance 
under civilian direction when required by the law. And that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. I welcome you all to the fabric of American society as American citizens. You may wave that flag. <laughs> oh, now listen. Did you hear the last 30 seconds? I welcome you. I welcome you as United States citizens. Uh, and you may wave that flag as your own. It is yours. Yeah, it is yours. It is yours. The flag is a symbol. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. What's happening in America today is tearing people apart rather than bringing unity. Uh, it is really to tear people asunder and make a mess of everything uh, rather than help anybody. Uh, what would you say? They try to divide us into different racial groups, and you're either one or the other. You're either oppressed or you are the oppressor. And if you're uh, the oppressor, you better no feel ashamed. They claim to be opposed to racism, but they use racism to oppose racism. Yeah. It's really uh, crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, it sure is, Rich. And it's evil at its roots. Now, listen, there is a, a, a preacher, a pastor on Bot Radio Network now that I have enjoyed listening to. His name is Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. Oh, he's great. Around uh, Nashville area, isn't he? Murfreesboro. He, um, is that right? He has a, he has a plain spoken way of explaining his messages, his sermons, and taking up these things. And one thing he said recently is, uh, help your neighbor. Help your neighbor. Um, you know what? If we will learn to help people instead of criticize them, if we will learn to be kind rather than direct, di divisive and critical, if we will just say, um, can I help you along? Can I be nice? Can I bring you into the fold? All of these things. If you help your neighbor, isn't that what Jesus taught? And love your neighbor as yourself. Think of it, folks. You don't have to teach a baby um, how to grow up and love himself. I mean, when that little guy is two years old or three years old, he knows what self is all about. I mean, he knows what are his toys. He knows when he wants to eat. He knows when he's uncomfortable, but he has to learn. He has to be taught to care about others and to share and to to be nice to other people and kind. That's what it's all about. Well, anyway, Alan Jackson had a message about helping your neighbor. I wanted our listeners to be able to hear that in this context with us right now. Here it is. I want to talk to you about compassion for a minute. And I want to make a distinction that there's a, there would be a distinction between compassion and cooperation. And I think sometimes this is lost in the church. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, this is written to a church. Paul's writing to a church that he's helped to bring into existence. So he has some authority in their lives. He's not just speaking as an outsider. He's invested in them and in what's happening amongst them. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. So we're given some assignment to care for one another when we stumble. We don't want to patrol the battlefields and execute the wounded. 
We want to be dispensers of grace and mercy. But then there's a little caution light that's flashing there. This is, but you need to be careful because when you, you step into those realms where ungodliness is being expressed, you become more vulnerable. Think of it as visiting someone who's sick. We, we spent a year sheltered in place because of a concern over a virus and how easily it might be, how contagious it might be. You know, the real truth about this, folks, if it had been a pandemic where a third of the population was being destroyed, we could not have afforded to shelter it in place. We would have had to care for the sick. It's the assignment we have. The coaching we were being given wasn't to be reckless in parties and celebrations and, and meeting your desires of how you wanted to live your life. We have a responsibility to care for one another. But Jesus cautions us that when you're, when you're helping restore someone who has stumbled, you better be careful because you're vulnerable to temptation. So we don't abandon one another. We will extend a hand and say that the path you're on is not helpful. Let's walk back this way a moment. But you can't afford to walk that path yourself very far or you'll lose your balance and your direction as well. Sound right? Look at 2 Thessalonians 3. If anyone doesn't obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Don't associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yeah, don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. And this is a bit of an escalation. If someone isn't going to take instruction, if they're not going to heed a godly worldview, if they're going to ignore the advice of Scripture, take note and limit your association. Limit your fellowship. Limit your interaction. Yeah, don't regard them as an enemy. Don't be angry. Don't be hateful. Don't be embittered. Now, again, this discussion is talking about the body of Christ within the body of Christ. Look, I'm not sure we've lived this way. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to be critical. We've seen abuses. We've seen it mistreated. We've seen hypocrisy. None of us are perfect. All of us need grace. But because of that, we've lost our voice for the truth. We've lost our imagination that there's right and wrong. We've listened to the voice of the ungodly. Well, who has the right to judge me? God does. He created the place. I'm not your judge. You're absolutely correct in that. But one day you'll stand before the judge. And if I care about you, I'll tell you the truth so you can be prepared for that. And I think we've lost the courage, the will, or the intent to be that honest with one another. There should never be a sense of joy when you're helping someone who has stumbled. There should never be a point of pride or arrogance that I haven't stumbled because I'm quite certain if we enter enough, interview enough people, we'll find some who know about your stumbles. As a rule, it's better to come clean. James chapter 5 and verse 19, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Again, we've had a little fractured notion of our faith. We've had such a focus on the fact that my faith is unassailable. And once my relationship with the Lord is established, that nothing can diminish it, we've got a very casual attitude towards sin and this flippant attitudes towards forgiveness that I can do whatever I want to do and say, oh God, forgive me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then we can just jump right back to wherever we were. That really isn't a biblical notion. And James is writing to the church, to believers. Look at the first two words, my brothers. He wouldn't call pagans my brothers. He said, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring him back. And remember this, whoever turns a sinner, he's talking about a brother that wandered from the truth in the context of a sinner. So we need to get this on the ground and out in the open that those of us who were Christ followers and come to church, we still wrestle with sin. 
That doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean it's without consequence. It doesn't mean we should be sloppy. It doesn't mean we should endorse it or celebrate and say, oh, that's all right. Everybody sends a little, huh? That's just foolish. It's like, well, you know, cancer, little here, little there. No, I don't think you want any. Sin is far more destructive. We've been way too casual and we've confused compassion with cooperation. Well, I didn't want them to feel like I I thought they were doing something wrong. Were they doing something wrong? They should know what you feel. Not in anger, not in hostility, not in judgment. Maybe it's just a question. You know, I've known you a while and, and you've developed some new habits. Can you tell me what you're thinking? Something going on in your life? It seems like you're struggling in some ways. I haven't known you to struggle before. Compassion. Folks, I, nobody is a greater advocate for mercy than somebody who's needed it, and I have needed it. My life unraveled in public, and there was no quarter where I could hide. And I, I didn't find a lot of compassion because I hadn't been a particularly compassionate person. And when I needed mercy, I can tell you there were few things that felt like a greater gift than somebody who would show you mercy. Not an excuse for ungodliness. Not an advocacy for sloppiness. And I determined that I'd spend my life helping broken people find their way to the Lord. Church is far more a hospital, a triage unit, than it is a hall of fame. But having said that, we can no longer afford sloppy living. There's turbulence ahead, and the devil will destroy you. And we're going to have to have the courage to help one another. We have been far more interested in being friends with the world than telling the truth to one another. And we have to change. The problems we face are not the problems of the wicked. The problems we face are the result of the hearts of God's people. You got to be willing to be different. I don't mean stylishly different. I don't mean setting your hat at a rakish angle or knowing the newest color for summer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being more artistic than somebody around you who's less aware or doesn't have as good of an eye. I'm talking about a boldness to be an advocate for faith in Jesus. I'm talking about the really difficult part of having to execute that thing within all of us, and we all have it. I have it. You have it. That desire to be accepted by the world system. I grew up in this community, and I didn't grow up with the expectation I would be a preacher by myself or those who knew me. Um, In fact, for the most part of that, I wanted enough Christianity that if something unexpected happened to me, I would go to heaven. But I didn't want enough Christianity to impede my social agenda. Hypocrite is the word you're searching for. The night I graduated, I graduated from Riverdale. And the night we used to do graduations at Murphy Center 100 years ago. And the night I graduated, I had a platform assignment. So I was the last one of my classmates to file out of Murphy Center. First time in my life I ever heard the Spirit of the Lord inside of me, watching everybody file out. I heard God say to me, you say you're a Christian. I was pretty full of myself. It was great. I said, yes, I am. And he said, you've been with your classmates for four years and some six. I'd played basketball with some of the guys for six years. He said, you've never made one attempt to tell any one of them what you believe about me. At that season in my life, I thought tears made you weak. You couldn't make me cry. 
I'd had my nose broken a time or two and my teeth knocked out and my eyes split. I'd spit blood at you, but I wouldn't cry. And standing on the stage at Murphy Center that night, tears began to run down my face because I was guilty. My classmates thought I was being sensitive, so it worked in my favor. <laughs> and I didn't confess, but I did make a promise that, to God that night. I was leaving town. I already had a plan. And I said, I'm leaving here. It's no longer about my parents or their faith or the authority in the home where I live. I'm done. I'm on my own. And I'll spend the next four years trying to understand what it means to honor you. And if at the end of that time, I think you're real, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I had no idea that meant ministry. I just thought it meant I'd be a Christian professional. But if I don't think you're real, leave me alone. Because I'm tired of feeling guilty. That's called arrogance. And I left Murfreesboro that way. So then God sends me back to town. to work for a church that meets in a tent in the middle of a cotton field. And there was no promise of what you see today. And I believed in casting out demons and praying for the sick and speaking in tongues. That will get you on the freaks list. And I'm back in town and I meet my friends and I'm, you know, this is four or five years later and they've got careers started and lives started. And they say, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. What do you do? And I was world-class at shifting a conversation away from that because I found out very quickly how fast you could kill a conversation if you walked up to a group of people at a social setting and they said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. You might as well hold up a scarlet A or start saying unclean, unclean. Because there wasn't anything about what we were doing that had any promise to it or any sense of socially upward mobility or any sense of accomplishment. The only thing that kept me in the equation was a desire to honor the Lord. And I wasn't fully committed to that. I was still trying to figure that out. So when I say to you, you've got to be willing to be different, I'm not telling you have to start out where I'm standing today. It didn't happen in a week. And I had to incrementally say to that part of me that wanted everybody to cheer for me, you shut up. You be quiet. I much preferred being included and being celebrated because I'd enjoyed some of that in my previous life in the community. I'd had some accomplishment, at least for the stage of life I was in. and That wasn't a part of my re-entry and I was on a path that wasn't going to make that possible. And I had to say to that part, you hush. So I know a bit of what I'm saying to you, and I'm asking you to have an honest evaluation with yourself if you're willing to be different, to not point at achievement and accomplishment. I think God can bring you achievement and accomplishment. I can talk about that as well, but it'll be destructive to you if you don't get your faith piece in place first. It's harder to learn. Then I'd submit you've got to be willing to be vulnerable. But I'm very conscious that I stand up on a regular basis and advocate for a product that I can't deliver. I can't heal a broken heart. I can't mend a broken body. In my own self, in my intellect, in my physical prowess, I don't have the ability to deliver somebody from an unclean spirit. 
but I know someone who can do all of those things. Here's the rub. He doesn't always do it in the way I thought he would. I can't always tell the people when they say the sinner's prayer, some are going to be dramatically transformed and some are going to act just as roguish as they did before they prayed it. And I can't tell the difference, but I keep praying the prayer. Then I pray for some people and they have dramatic physical changes and other people go to the doctor and they get better. And some don't, but I keep praying for the sick. There's a vulnerability in being an advocate for Jesus. And then you may cut me on traffic and I'm going (laughs) to encourage you to praise the Lord. (laughs) And you'll know I'm still working on my journey. There's a vulnerability in standing up and saying there's a God and you can know him. And if you'll change your life, he'll give you a better outcome. I'm asking you to be willing to be vulnerable in that way. Stop saying, well, I don't pray or, you know, I don't know that much about my Bible or, you know, my life's a mess. We can all say that. Are we going to have the courage to say Jesus will change your life? Why is it we have more courage to advocate for athletic teams that are perennial losers than we do to be advocates for Jesus? (laughs) And then finally, and I'm done, it takes some patience. The Bible uses the metaphor of a farmer planting his crops. And once you decide you're going to engage with people, you'll find that there are some that respond in extraordinary fashions. And there's others that respond in fashions that leave you bewildered. We're not the Lord of the harvest. We're told to ask the Lord of the harvest for outcomes. And if you're going to make this commitment to helping your neighbor, you're going to have to make a commitment to patience. I would encourage you to remember this. I'm always grateful when people are patient with me. I do stupid things. I make boneheaded choices. I overlook opportunities. I miss signals, all that stuff. And I'm grateful when I receive patience. But I don't want to lead my life presuming upon the patience of others. And when you decide you're going to help people, you're going to care about your neighbor, that you're going to share your Jesus story with a coworker or somebody lives near you or a kid's friend or whomever, be patient. Well, I told three people and nobody wanted to pray the sinner's prayer. Well, bless your appointed head. Somebody was patient with me. God was patient with me for years while I chose to yield my life more completely to him. I'd like to pray with you. Why don't you stand with me? That if you're willing, if you will accept the assignment that the spirit of God will help you recognize, begin to recognize people around you that would be open. And when God opens those doors for you, you have the courage and the boldness. Say, this is what God's doing for her. Come go to church with me. Bring them with you. Take them to a meal afterwards. Say, how'd that feel to you? Is pastor as goofy to you as he is to me? You can listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to park a long way. We're going to have to walk into the building. Where are your walking shoes? I'm learning humility. Would you be open to that invitation? Father, I thank you for those of us gathered today. I believe it's an appointment that you arranged. I thank you for a season of an awakening where you're you're shaking us loose from those foundations that have limited us. Lord, we've had imaginations that, that weren't securing us. They were limiting our opportunities. And in your mercy and your grace, you've begun to set us free to, to see our world in new ways and to understand it with a heart from you. And we ask the Holy Spirit to help us with that. 
Lord, we don't want our faith to be me-centered. We want to have a concern for the people you're concerned with. And we ask today that you would give us understanding hearts, eyes to see, and awareness of those around us who, who might receive a God story if we were so willing to share it. Lord, help us to recognize the opportunities. Give us the boldness and the courage to share what you've done for us. Let compassion grow within us. May we have the courage to be different. May we be willing to be identified for you. Forgive us for wanting to be accepted by the world more than we wanted to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we are sorry. We've sought the approval of people far more than we've been concerned with your approval, and we're sorry. May we be willing to make the sacrifice we'll talk about. to let the discipline to be honorable in your sight grow in our lives. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. All right. Is he rich? Amen. Rich? Oh, isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that the spirit that that people should be having who love the Lord, and it should be taught to them in the churches. Uh, listen now. That's how we should live, especially in days like these. All right, I think you, we told the people we'd have some listener comments, so let's have the first one. We do. The listener comment number is 1-800-345-2621. Okay, here we go. This is Judy from California, and I listen to Bot Radio every single day. It has greatly edified my life. My favorite programs are Alistair Begg and Focus on the Family. Uh, all right, let's have another one. Hi, this is Mark from South Dakota. I listen to Bot Radio in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I just wanted to let you know that uh, your programming, especially Running to Win, has kept me on track and helped me in my faith walk. Thank you, Bot Radio Network, for all that you do for everyone. All right, have we got time for one more? Let's go. I just wanted to leave you a brief message and let you know how much I enjoy listening to Bot Radios in Terre Haute, Indiana. I've been listening for quite some time, and I've just learned so much. My faith has grown immensely from this radio station and my walk with Christ. Thank you, and have a great day. Okay, let's go for number four. I have lived in Cape Girardeau, Missouri for about 12 years now. I have been listening to Bot Radio Network since 2008. I'm very thankful for what you guys do. Uh, I'm also a worship pastor, and it has definitely strengthened my walk uh, with the Lord. Uh, oh, Rich, I love that. Listen, we're out of time. Um, you know what, folks? Vote, and then be kind to your neighbors. I don't care Let's forget the color or anything else. Vote and be kind to your neighbors and share the love of and Christ. Pray for revival. Uh, this is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story, with my son Rich. And we'll see you later. <laughs> 